Thank you, church. All right, you can have a seat again. This is usually where I ask how you're doing, but I've already seen you, so how you doing? Oh, that, that kind of weekend. All right, we'll do our best to uh, work with that. Um, so uh, we um, got a chance to, some of you know, my family this past, uh, well, last week was my daughter's, her high school's uh, March break, and so we got a chance to get to some warm weather, the ocean. I know you hate me for that. Sorry, I would hate me too. It's okay. Um, but uh, I got thinking about, because we, we uh, did this snorkeling excursion. Anyone ever snorkeled before? Snorkelers? Okay. Any expert? You got your own set? Any of you weirdos? Okay, we got a few of those. Um, I had never, I, it's been 25 years since I've snorkeled. And the reason I know that is because it was on my honeymoon. It's the only reason I know that. Um, and what I remember was it wasn't that deep of water. It was clear blues, colorful fish, some sea turtles. It was kind of cool, right? So we did this excursion. We got on this boat. These guys are awesome, but they're really just kind of like laid back. And they're like, ah, if you want to snorkel, here's some masks. Here's some, you know, some, thin, what do they call those, flippers, you know? And I'm like, have you ever seen me try to actually walk on my regular feet, you know? And, and so he's like, ah, we got three locations. The first one, you should probably be a strong swimmer. Hold up. That's pretty vague. What does that mean? Do I need to be Michael Phelps, or what do I need to be, right? But I paid for this, and if you know me, I'm going to do it if I paid for it. Uh, So we get to this first location, and it's really deep, and it's dark because it was like this shipwreck uh, that you get to look at. But the currents are pretty wild, right? And so, like, I put my stuff on, and I didn't, like, get it all. I figured, oh, once I'm in the water, I can kind of arrange my mask and all that. That was a mistake, all right? So I jump in. And I get in the water, and, like, the currents start to take me. My mask's all flipped around. I'm sputtering. Have you ever, ever been in a situation like that, anyone, where it's like the water's, <laughs> right, like you feel like you're, you're drowning? I mean, it was bad. But keep in mind, I had a life jacket on. <laughs> so it was kind of stupid that I was so uh, panicky. I pulled both of my arm muscles flailing about, okay, and uh, finally was able to uh, get everything, you know, and, and, and have a pretty decent excursion, and it was okay. But I thought about our boy, the prophet Jonah. You ever heard his story before? Because that's what we're going to be talking about. And Jonah gets tossed, and he did not have a life jacket, and he sinks to the bottom like a stone. And it's at the bottom the place of desperation that Jonah looks to the Lord. And I, and I think, as I know, I, I personally know of circumstances in our church family, and there's many that I don't know that are happening now or are around the bend that none of us know but God. And there are these places, have you ever, not physically, but sort of emotionally or spiritually felt like you were drowning? Like you feel like you're you, you, you just, whatever situation hits, first you're sputtering and trying to keep your head above, and then you're just sinking. Because this is what happens typically, like, just like Jonah, without a life jacket, right, we think we're on the, we're, we're, I can do this, I can do this. And some of your biggest problems is you guys are too talented, and you think you can solve problems you were never meant to solve. Me too. Well, not the talent part, but the rest of it. And this is what happens, is we sink, just like Jonah, and this place If some of you are there right now, this place is really hard. It's desperate. It hurts. I don't want to be there. But it's also a beautiful place of God's grace because here's the refrain that we see in Jonah's great prayer, and that is salvation belongs to the Lord. And that's what we need to remember too. Let's pray. Lord, you know what's um, 
represented in this room and watching us online right now as well, you know what's coming that we don't. Lord, and I pray that you would use me as just a humble vessel to remind your people of who you are. Salvation belongs to you. That we would see the story of Jonah as a reflection of ourselves. And God, you're working in our lives. And I pray you would continue to do that. And that we, that the, <laughs> the, the best thing that we can do today is look to you. I pray for those who might be running from you right now, making all the excuses in the world, like Jonah, turn their face back to you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Um, so we're going to look at a specific prayer. Jonah's kind of one long narrative. As a lot of you know, it's one of my favorite stories um, in the Bible. Uh, but if you, we're going to spend most of our time in chapter 2. So if you do want, we'll put it on the screen, but if you want to open your Bibles to chapter 2, that's where we'll, we'll be. Before we get there, I have, I promise, really, really quick, three quick things. Three things, all right? Number one, you saw the announcement for the new membership class coming up. Um, that's not a sign on the dotted line. You want to become a member. It's just if you're interested, it's one of the steps. But I also wanted to, to tell any one of you that's, like, not there yet, not quite ready to do that, I, I don't want you to feel like you're not a member. You're on the sidelines. You're still, you're still part of our church family. Not like the video, right? A much better way. Uh, and, and there's ways for you to plug in. There's classes, and there's groups, and there's ministry teams. So please, if you're not ready to become a member, we still want you to, to feel really plugged in here, okay? Number two, uh, we have a, a believer's baptism. We're not going to baptize you like Jonah, I promise. Uh, warm tub right back here. Uh, and it's going to be after the weekend after Easter. So if we haven't talked and you want to be baptized, let me know, and we'll talk about that or talk to Juliet. Uh, she'll connect you to me. Uh, our, she's our office manager. So, um, three, uh, a lot of you have been praying for this. We are overjoyed and super excited that we have hired a youth and young adult pastor. So, be happy about that because I am. All right? Yeah, you can clap. Now, he's, uh, I, I, we're not introducing him, like who that is and his family yet because he hasn't told his current church family. His church leadership knows, but the family, you know, and I don't want, like, to get out before he gets a chance to do that. So once he does that, we'll roll out who, but I just, it's, I really believe it's going to be a huge gift to us, not just our students and young adults and college students, but all of us. It really is. So be praying about that and just be happy because God has certainly answered that, that prayer as it's been sort of a long process for sure. Okay, I promised it was going to be quick. All right, so uh, how many love the book of Jonah? Go ahead. Anybody? All right, me too. You know, one of the reasons I love it is because I'm kind of a, a, a book nerd. I love stories, and this is a prophetic book that's not um, like all the other ones. That's the, the prophets where, where God gave them words, and, and we see the words of the prophet. This is a story, and man, Jonah is a broken, very silly prophet, and the narrative is just so cool. So, so he, he, he's um, only found in the Bible in one other place in 2 Kings where he's prophesying to this wicked king named Jeroboam. And he actually prophesied that uh, uh, Jeroboam will have all kinds of, of good things happen to him. Of course, Amos, the prophet, would eventually prophesy the reverse. So that's all we know. So immediately you're suspicious of this Jonah guy. And you should be. Right? And, and, and there's this, this story of Jonah is uh, got all these stereotype characters. It's a true story. Jesus refers to it. Good enough for me. It's true. But it's woven in a way of irony and humor to bring things out to us. 
And it's these stereotypical characters which are supposed to behave in stereotypical ways, right? And yet, they're stereotypical characters that behave in the exact opposite of the way you expect them to. Jonah's a man of God, a prophet of God, and he's running from God. These pagan sailors who are pagan, they don't know the Lord. They're sailors, so they're a little, you know, reputations a little rough around the edges. They repent and worship God. Ninevites, who he's supposed to go to, these are horrible, cruel enemies of God's people. We see them also turning to God. And all of it is meant to, to turn everything upside down. And, and what the story of Jonah is, because I read, I read scholars on Jonah, they love to be hypercritical, love to get on our high horse and say, oh, Jonah, what a silly, broken prophet you are. That's not why the story's in the Bible. The story's in the Bible as a mirror. For you to gaze into God's word and where God's not saying, don't tell me about Jonah, he's dead. Tell me about you. Tell me the places where you're running from where God wants you. Tell me about the places where you might talk the talk, Jamie, but you're not walking the walk. You're, you're, you're a hypocrite. right? That, that's what it's meant to do. Provoke our hearts and to just admit we're a lot more like Jonah than we'd really like to, to say. And so Jonah in chapter 1 is told by God to go east to Assyria where Nineveh is and to talk. But that's the enemy. They've done things probably to, to people Jonah cares about. And, and so, so Jonah gets the word from God, go east, and he goes west. Exact opposite. He's going, his destination is Tarshish, which is the exact opposite of Nineveh. He gets on a boat at Joppa, goes into the Mediterranean Sea, pays for his fare. He goes underneath the bowels of the boat and goes to sleep. I wonder how many run from God, and while they're doing it, they sleep, and they don't want to hear at all from God. God has a funny way of waking us up, though, doesn't he? And he sends a storm. This wasn't just a regular storm. This is a danger storm. The pagan sailors are they're just so scared. They were like, somebody has offended one of our gods because they believe in all kinds of gods. And they don't know who, but then they realize this dude, Jonah's asleep. So they wake him up, and they're like, hey, did you, is this your fault? Did you offend some god or do something? Because we are in trouble here, and you're sleeping. And that's when Jonah quoted Taylor Swift. Hello, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Okay, a lot of old people in the room that you didn't recognize that reference. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just, don't be, don't be offended. Um, and, and so, yes, it's me. And then he quotes all kinds of religious stuff, right? Like he knows his theology. He really does. He's like, my God made the oceans and just in control of all of it. And if you're the sailor, you're probably like, and you're running from him on a boat, dude? Like, what in the world are you doing? What, how dumb is that? And so he's telling him all that stuff. So he's like, well, what do we do? And he goes, well, you're probably just going to have to throw me into the sea. And so the pagan sailors, they don't want to do that. And they try not to. But eventually they get to the point where, like, I guess we're going to have to do that. This seems selfless of Jonah, but he doesn't have to do that. What could he do? Turn around, right? Turn around and go where God told him to go. But he's like, so much doesn't want to see these people in Nineveh uh, hear from the word of God that he's rather die. And so they throw him in. And as they throw him in and he hits the ocean, the storm stops. And the sailors repent and worship Jonah's God. See the irony? Pagan sailors worshiping God, prophet of God, sinking like a stone. 
And as he sinks and sinks, and we're going to see the prayer and the psalm of thanksgiving in chapter 2 is going to kind of recount this whole thing. As he sinks, it gets more and more desperate, just like situations in your life. It gets more and more desperate. The, the waves come over your head, and he gets to the very bottom, and it's the place where he calls of death. It's his grave. It's over, right? And he looks to God. And he looks to God. And God delivers him using the most unique way he's ever saved anybody, right? A giant, which the translation is any kind of sea creature, so you don't have to debate fish or whale or anything like that. It was just, he just swallowed him up, and he's sitting in the belly of this fish, and he's praising God. That's where we pick him up in chapter 2. It says this in verse 1, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Like, I don't know about you, I'd still be scared. <laughs> I, Jonah's got one on me there. I mean, I'd be like, well, I would have rather just drowned. Now what's going to happen? Slowly just get eaten by this sea creature? Yeah, no thanks. But somehow Jonah knows God's delivered me, and when God delivers you, he's going to finish that deliverance. Any Christian in the room right now, that's where you are right now. It's called the already not yet. You are saved. You believe it, but you look around at the world, you're like, man, I feel like I'm in the belly of a fish. But you believe that God is going to finish the process that he has already started because he's promised he would. So Jonah, even though he's not quite there, he believes in that, the belly of that fish. And so he begins to sing this song of thanksgiving, which is a prayer, also recounting the prayer that he prayed at the bottom just a little while ago. He says to this, he's recounting what happened. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. See the planned words? He's in the belly of a fish, and he's talking about when he was in the belly of Sheol, which just means the place of death, the belly of death. That's where he was, and that's where he turned, and he looked to the Lord, and the Lord what? Heard him. And he's underwater, so it's more of a voice in his head. I don't think he was doing that. He didn't have a lot of time at the bottom. His oxygen is ebbing away as, as seaweed is wrapped around his head as he is at the bottom. He didn't have a lot of time for all these big, bad prayers. He probably just prayed something like, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. And someone here today, probably more than one, you need that prayer right now. Not the, 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 the big bad prayers of the Pharisees or even the ornate beautiful prayers of the Puritans. Those are good. I'm just saying, you just need the raw, Lord, help me. I don't know what else to say. I'm sinking like a stone. Help me. You know what that is? Faith. That's faith in the circumstances to look to God, even if you created them as Jonah did. Save me. Lord, And so what he gives us is the progression of how he sinks, right? Not, and, and for some of us, it's not just a literal drowning, but, you know, when a cir- circumstance often hits and you're, like, sputtering, but you still think, all right, maybe I can do something about it, and now it just, you just sink and sink and sink and sink until you realize there's nothing you really can do. For you cast me into the deep, Jonah says, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. 
See the progression? Right now he's in the surface of the water like I was, without a life jacket. He's swimming, he's trying to tread water, and it's, <coughs> and it's like it's bellowing, but it, it, it's all over, and, 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 and this is where he realizes I'm in trouble, but I want you to notice the amazing theology of Jonah. Something that he understands is God's sovereignty over even the pits, even the drowning, even these circumstances. He said, you, God, cast me into the deep. Not those weirdo sailors. You did. And he says, it's your sea. You are flooding over me. Jonah is recognizing a couple of things. First, I'm there because I deserve it. And God, you're doing this because you have a reason in it. And and he's saying, even in this place of desperation, God is over all of it. It's so important for you and I to remember, there is purpose. There is purpose in your pain. There is purpose in whatever pit you might find yourself in like Jonah. That God is over it and God is doing something with it. And often, and sometimes his whole life, we don't really understand it, especially those really bad ones. Right? There's places of grief, there's places of loneliness, there's places of, of I don't know what to do, of sickness. Right? It's like, how could God be over this? He is. That's faith. Believe it. He's not wringing his hands. He's not wondering what's going to happen. He knows it. He's got it. And he's doing something. He just understands your eternal, what you need eternally more than you do. And so that's what Jonah's saying. God, you're over this. It's great theology. Right? These, these pits that we find ourselves in, like Jonah, they're pits of grace. Because sometimes you're running from God so fast with all the excuses, and boom, you have no choice but to turn again to the Lord who owns your salvation. In verse 4, he says, then I said, I am driven away. That's a word that means abandoned. It actually, it's the word they would use for divorce, right? I am divorced from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. That means the presence of God. He says, my experience is abandonment. I don't see you, God. Now you know why the Lord Jesus compared himself to Jonah. He wasn't comparing himself to being a silly, broken prophet. He was not that. But in this instance, he's saying, I I, I am like Jonah because when he went to the cross, he was abandoned by God because he became our sin. Right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is is divorced from the presence of his father. And, 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 And he went to the place of Sheol. He literally dies and is buried. But... He raises three days later. And so Jonah's experience is a lot of our experience as well, where we're just like, I don't see you, God. It's too hard. It's too, it's, the circumstance is too big. I don't feel you. I don't see you. Where are you? Right? That's where Jonah's feeling, divorced from God. But, but, what a prayer of faith. I shall look upon your holy temple. This is a prayer of faith. If you're feeling like you're drowning, if you're in one of those Jonah-like pits, as you can just cling to him, I will see you again. I will feel you. You're with me in this even though I don't see you. I believe it. I know it. That is faith. That's all God wants from you. Trust him. Trust him. It says, as he continues that progression, the, the, the waters, right, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. He's getting closer to the bottom, right, where the seaweed is literally just all around him. He says, as at the the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars, it's kind of like a prison, whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me 
You brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord, my God. What he's saying there, right, is I was dead. Oxygen was gone. Seaweed on me. I'm literally going to look at the mountains that are under the ocean. I'm in the bottom. It is over, but God. It's over, but God. I can't. Nothing good is going to come from this, but God. The desperation is too much, but God. See, that's the, the point that Jonah had to get to. It's, I can't do it, but God will do it. I'm going to die, but God. It's over, but God. No one can help me, but God. Verse 7. He says, when my life was fainting away, literally ready to die, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. I bet some of you can relate to that. It took literally the end of yourself to finally look again to the Lord and say, I got nothing, but you got it all. I got nothing, but you got it all. He says that he remembered the Lord. Remember a couple weeks ago I said that word is, is not just like, oh, I forgot about God. He didn't forget about God. He knew his theology. Told it all, all to the pagan sailors. It is a, a, a special remembrance that calls you to action. Because you, like someone remembers your birthday, they give you a card or buy you a present or send you a text because they're, they're in a special way remembering you. So, so he says, I remembered the Lord. I said, oh yeah, he's a God of grace. He's a God of, of deliverance. He's, I know this God, right? And so he remembers. So Jonah is called to action. But what kind of action can you do at the bottom of the sea? Faith. That's all you ever have when it comes to God cleaning yourself up and dressing your Sunday best and doing some kind of chore for God. It's not doing anything for God, but your faith, your faith, when you look to him, and that's what he does. He remembers the Lord, and then the Lord remembers him and saves him. Faith, God's grace. Faith, God's grace. It reminds me of the thief on the cross, right? Naked, bloody, beaten, being crucified, still mocking Jesus, a couple hours later, what does he say? Lord, remember me. Remember me. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't have a chance to be baptized, go to church, clean up, couldn't even put on, let alone good clothes, any clothes. And yet he was saved because he had all that you ever need when it comes to the Lord of salvation, faith. Faith. And so, verse 8 he goes, he kind of takes a turn. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love. It's sort of a weird turn. Suddenly he's kind of saying, there's a different direction you can go. And I love this because Jonah, he's full of God's wisdom in this prayer because he knows when you're drowning, when you're sinking, when you're in those situations, you go one of two places. You either go to the Lord in faith or you turn again and you go to one of your idols. Right? Maybe not something you, you know, a wood idol that you carved, but one of your idols that you try to find satisfaction in, and Jonah says it's vain, it's empty. But we try it. The idols of money and comfort when we're upset. The idols of food or drugs or alcohol. The idols of people. God help us. How cruel we are to people by asking our spouse to be God in our lives, to, to ask our kids, God help us, to fulfill us in a way only God can. These are idols that we turn to, and they're empty. They're empty. Today we see, as much as any day in, in previous, is the idol of distraction, right? When you're sinking, it's like, 
maybe if I binge 24 episodes of, of Stranger Things, I'll feel better. Or whatever's on TV land. I've tried to cover every generation, you know, Murder, She Wrote, whatever. It, 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 TikTok or, or, or Instagram or Facebook or, right? All these things in their, you know, in, in, their, in their moment aren't necessarily bad. It's just, it's just when, when we're upset, we turn to these idols of distraction and we don't want to face the pain that these pits can cause. But these pits are pits of grace. And what he's saying is they're empty. For a moment, that vape pen will feel good, right? For a moment, that, that sexual encounter or that pornography will, will, will distract. But in the end, it destroys. And so he says, these idols you've got to kill, and you turn only to the Lord. That's the whole point of verse 8. And he says, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Here's the refrain. Here it is. Salvation belongs to to the Lord. Now, a lot of us know that phrase. And we like it. We're in church. Yay. But you know what that really is saying? Like, I want you to imagine um, that in here is the deed to my house, that I own my house. Now, it's an imagination because the bank has the deed to my house. But pretend, okay? So I own my house. It's mine. It's mine. I own it. It belongs to me. And, and then you come on a random day, and you just come walking into my house. You come into the living room and say, oh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to rearrange the furniture. We're gonna, and I'll be like, first of all, did your wife send you or what? Did my wife send you? And if not, get out. What are you doing? This is my house. Right? It belongs to me. You can't come in and tell me what to do and start doing it. Like, no, it, I own it. I bring you that illustration because what he's saying here is salvation is owned by the Lord. Think of the implications of that. He isn't a way of salvation. He isn't a helper to salvation. He isn't a co-pilot with you towards salvation. He owns it all. He dispenses it and gives it how he wants to, when he wants to, and that's it because he owns it. And Jonah, at the bottom of the sea, recognizes again salvation belongs to the Lord. You can't turn to anyone else. And verse 10 is the end of this. Um, I kind of like it as a life verse of mine. You got a life verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, something like that. I like this one. I'm going to put this one on a T-shirt or a coffee cup or something. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Because that reminds me way more of my life than anything else. Because this is a beautiful thing. See, if you know the rest of the story, Jonah has done a great act of faith here, but he has a long way to go. Anybody else feel that way? I hope so, because you do. You might have been Christian for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. You have a long way to go. That's your work in progress. And so if we were, we were making this story up to children, we would say Jonah has this great act of faith, he levitates above the ground, and then he lands on Nineveh like a superhero, right, with a fist. No. He's got puke, fish puke all over him. He's not puked up on Nineveh. He's puked up back, I think, in Joppa. In other words, care to try it again, Jonah? Now you've got to go to Nineveh smelling like that. <laughs> Good luck to you, right? As a reminder, as a reminder, which Jonah absolutely needed. Here's the last point that I want us as we think just of, of his, um, as, as we think, because I, I want you to remember that, that this story, as much as we don't, I don't know about you, but I don't, I'm not a big fan of mirrors. <laughs> Some of you are beautiful. You love them. You're like, ooh, this is, looks good, right? But 
Now I'm like, ooh, I'm older than I thought, right? Oh, my gosh. I still got a picture of me at 27, right? No, that's not it. So, but that's the same way spiritually. You look and you're like, ooh, but it's good. It's good because God provokes that question. And I just want you to see, right, that in this you see, look to the Lord alone. First of all, if you have never trusted Christ, and maybe you're here and you're just like, your life's kind of messy and you just come to the end of yourself, but you're like, really, it's just him alone? Like, what do I need to do? You need to trust him in faith. That's all you can ever do. Remember the Lord Jesus who died for you in faith and cast your cares on him. I mean, so many of you remember that moment where you came to the end of yourself. Maybe you were five, maybe you were 50, but you remember when you just said, I can't anymore. Jesus, save me. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you're in that pit and it feels hard. It's the best pit of your eternal life because it's causing you to come to the end of yourself and look to him who owns salvation. But then there's these pits throughout our life. These places where we feel like, I wonder what's yours. Like what, when it happens, you're like, ooh, money. When suddenly you're like, ooh, the bill came. How are we going to pay that? relationship when someone, you know, hurts you. I don't think anybody likes that. How about health? All of a sudden, something, something's not quite right. You're like, oh boy, I'm dying, I think. Or one of your kids, right? Like they suddenly, their eye looks a little funny. You're like, oh my gosh, let's go to the ER. Because God, God help us if something happens, right? So whatever it is, it begin, you begin to sink, Right? And sometimes they're little moments, sometimes they're big, but, but you're, 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 you're starting to think, what am I going to do? And you start to feel that emotion, and you, start, you can't sleep because you're grasping with it. I'm just saying, I just happened to meet this the other day, I was on vacation. What's wrong with me? Like Jonah, that's why I love him. And I just had to say, Jesus, you take that. I can't carry that. Do you need to do that? Look to the Lord. Look to him. Nothing fancy. Just look at you. You know what the hardest pits to do this? The hardest ones. I think you'll agree with me. They're the ones that we create ourselves. You know what I'm talking about? You might be in a circumstance right now, and it's your fault. It just is. You did it. You blew it. You screwed it up. You know why those are the hardest ones? Because we think, all right, well, God is just waiting for me. I had to climb my way out of this because I'm the one that that put myself there. That's not what happened to Jonah, is it? Jonah created all that. All he had to do was go to Nineveh. He ended up at the bottom of the sea because of him, and he knew it, and he still looked to the Lord. I'm inviting you. He is a God of overwhelming grace. He's not up here going, well, clean up your act, and I'll think about putting you back into church. That's not our Lord. Look to him. Look to him alone. Why? Because the story of Jonah teaches us that salvation comes from the Lord alone. I'll say this to you, get it. No one, no one, no one, no one can save you but the Lord. This is the story of the gospel, right? This is Jonah's the prodigal of the Old Testament. It's, well, that mirror, it shows you this is your life. It's mine. It's a little different way, but what you did is God called you to obedience and you ran the other way. That's what sin is. You ran the other way. And he didn't wait and go, oh, no, 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 no. He pursued you 
just like he pursued Jonah. The gospel is Jesus running you down to save you. You didn't find Jesus. He found you. By his grace, by his mercy, this is the gospel. Why? Because he owns salvation. That's the message of the gospel. You can never run too far, never run too long to outrun God's mercy, God's grace, God's love. That's what Jonah reminds you of. That's what Jonah teaches you. So if you're in or will be in a place that you created it and you blew it, God's grace and mercy is anew and afresh if you just look to him because he owns salvation. You don't. That is such a beautiful reminder. Until like Jonah, that means God's grace for someone we wish it wasn't for. The end of the story is don't put God in a box. He doesn't like being in boxes. We like to put a neat box. I even brought a box for us. A little shoe box. You see, we love to criticize Jonah. Because if you know the end of the story, what happens is he does go to Nineveh. Because God told him to go preach. And he basically walks around for three days preaching five Hebrew words. And they essentially translate into English. I'm being a little loose with the translation. Something like, in 40 days, God's going to crush you. Goodbye. That's it. 40 days, you're sinners, God's going to crush you. What do you think about that for my Easter sermon? Is that good? Think that'll be good? No, but because he, he doesn't care about these people. And God, he's just obeying God. He's like, all right, faith leads to obedience. I, I'm done running. I'm going to do what you say. So he says that, and he sits in the hot sun, right? And he just watches in fury as those words God uses to cause them all to repent and turn to God, including the king sackcloth and ashes. The place is turning back to God. A revival is breaking out, and the prophet Jonah is like, mm, I'd rather die than see this happen. You see, we can be, in a churchy atmosphere, as he put, in his box is, here's, what God, here's who God saves, here's who I like, this is who I want here, and we'll just lead that over here. When he starts saving someone outside that box, I don't like that. And we love, in church, we can be like, oh, Jonah. I would have done so much better in your situation. Really. What about if God called you, says, hey, someone gave you an opportunity to go to a prison. It's going to be a room full of men who are convicted rapists and murderers, and you can share the gospel. I'd be like, well, I could probably push it, sort of that part of it, what they did out of my mind for a little bit, but what if they started showing me crime scene photos of what they did? the carnage that they caused. You're trying to tell me there wouldn't be a part of you going, oh, I don't really deserve that. What if they were child abusers in that room? I know, you can hear a pin drop. You could all the services because if you're human, you're thinking, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because we're just like Jonah. <laughs> and we know God has salvation to a point but sometimes, God, you're just too gracious. You see, Jonah goes from singing praises at how God saved him when he was at his worst to getting angry because God's going to save people when they're at their worst. You see how ironic that is? But we do the same thing. What if somebody lied at work to you, stabbed you in the back, got you fired, and took your job? Two years later, you get a message from them on social media saying, hey, do you, would you mind if I went to church with you? You'd be like, I don't know, you can rot in hell. I'm not going to go. 
Like, we could be, this is a place to be honest, right? Like, that, like you might eventually do it because you're better than me. But there's, it's hard. You wrestle. That was Jonah. These people probably hurt people that he knew. Like, he hated these people for good reason. They didn't deserve God's grace. They didn't, but neither did Jonah, and that's the point. Neither do you, neither do I. You see, I'll tell you until I'm blue in the face. you got two options. Because God is just. He doesn't just let sin go. He judges every single infraction against his holiness. You have two options. Either in faith trust that Jesus Christ took all of them on the cross and shed his blood, or you will deal with it for all of eternity. Those are your options. And so if God wants to save somebody, let him. Because he saved you. Don't put them in a box. Their neighbor you can't stand or that person, don't put them in a box. Some political party, some whatever it is uh, that, 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 that drives you crazy. God's grace is greater than all of our sin, just like we sing. And so pray and be open with humility. And please don't put them in a box. Don't put us, you know, we, we come up all kinds of theological boxes. Well, if you don't embrace that theology or that doctrine or look a certain way over the years, look a certain way or you're not saying, it's crazy. No, 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 no. None of us deserve to be in here. And so we trust him. Why? Because he's the Lord where salvation belongs. He owns it. Let's pray. Would you, um, if you aren't watching a kid or something like that, close your eyes. Just breathe. It's not just the end of a church service. It's an opportunity for you to respond to whatever God might be doing. And if you feel like, you know, I don't really know that God did anything, well, then just pray. Pray for others around you or who are online with us. They, they, they just pray. Pray that God would give them the faith that they need. Lord, I, I pray first for those who have never trusted Christ. They've been dancing around it, or maybe they haven't. You have them here for a reason, a purpose. You have them in the situation that they're in, and I ask for you to give them the faith to believe. Just lay all their doubts down, to lay all of their, their, their burdens down to your feet, and to say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Help me. Help me. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in this room, but they're in one of these drowning-like situations. I know of several in our church family. Oh, God, they're, they're gasping for air. They don't feel your presence. Would you give them the strength to look to you and to lay all of the burden to you? They, they can't solve it. They're not meant to solve it, but you are the Lord who solves it all. Remind them, O oh Lord, by your grace that there's purpose in this pain. There's purpose in this pit. I especially pray for those who are in a pit of their own making, Lord. Thank you for the grace that you care enough about them that you have stopped them in their tracks so that they might turn and look to you. I ask that you give them the, the faith and obedience to do that today. Kill our idols, Lord. Kill the idols we turn to. Whether they're sinful or not, the things that we do instead of turning to you, I pray you'd kill them in our lives. May all the glory 
be given over to you who deserves it, the Lord of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. If you can, let's stand.